0: Greetings everyone and welcome to episode two of Modern Gnostic. My name is Brian Stanford and I'm coming at you from Asheville, North Carolina. It's a pretty cold day here in the mountains. Uh, I work a retail job and I'm exposed all the time to all the various uh, germs and viruses that are passing through my town. I like to joke that my job is kind of ground zero for the flu, the cold, anything else that might pass through. And uh, today I am actually home from work. I am not sick. I'm actually, I am actually feel like I'm battling back the sickness, but I'm going to be victorious in that. And as I'm sitting around today, drinking hot tea and studying through different texts and doing some writings, I thought I would record another rambling podcast. Um, I sat down yesterday to try to start recording an episode where I wanted to talk about prayer, Um, and I made a a few attempts at recording it and then deleted those because I felt like it was kind of going in a weird place. Um, It didn't feel very coherent to me. Um, I sat down today and made some notes about prayer and, and kind of thought about what I was going to say a little bit more. It still seems incoherent and kind of scattered. Uh, But at the same time, I'm really feeling kind of moved by spirit to talk about this subject. And I think it's largely because over the last two years, prayer has become such a powerful aspect of my daily practice and my daily life. And over the last couple of weeks, I've discovered a uh, modern Hasidic teacher of Kabbalah that I've been learning from, and that has just um, jet-fueled my prayer practice, and I really wanted to record some ideas about that. So I'm going to start off with a couple of quotes from the rabbi that I'm talking about, and his name is um, Daniel Katz. He has a lot of YouTube videos. You can check him out there. He has an online learning program that I highly recommend that I'm really enjoying. I signed up for, and I'm really enjoying it. And recently, in one of his lectures where he was talking about prayer, he threw out some really great definitions that I jotted down, and I'm going to share those with you here. So again, if you want to find the sources of these, check out um, Rabbi Daniel, D-O-N-I-E-L, Katz k-a-t-z and Reb Katz says prayer is the ultimate development of human consciousness prayer is an ecosystem a microcosm of all the elements necessary to master and perfect ourselves how you pray is how you live and how you live is how you pray And maybe this would be a good place uh, to enter into what I want to talk about. Um, This morning, Althea, my fiance, and I were sitting around having breakfast. And the first date I ever went on with Althea, we went for a hike. And then afterwards, we went and had pizza and beer. And we knew pretty much by the end of the hike on our first date that we wanted to be with each other. And when we sat down to eat... Althea said, uh, we need to pray before we eat. And I was simply blown away. Um, I had been praying before I ate um, for years, either as a form of Buddhist prayer or, you know, after my kind of uh, conversion to esoteric Christianity, I had different prayers that I would say Um, Largely, I I reconnected with prayers for dinner that my grandfather used to say. But I always felt a little embarrassed praying in public because, let's face it, we live in a culture, particularly if you're of my age group or younger, I'm 47 years old or or younger than me, I feel like as a, a kind of middle class, you know, vaguely educated person, I've grown up with this backdrop of uh, scientific materialism, um, a certain kind of sneering nihilism, and a proud atheism, where uh, I feel like people scoff at prayer. And when I, when Althea prayed, and she prayed in the middle of a restaurant with me on our first date, I was simply blown away, and have attempted ever since then to set aside. My fear of praying in public or praying amongst friends or praying amongst family. And this morning when we were having breakfast and Althea said our morning prayer and afterwards she commented on how a friend of hers had recently told her with a little bit of awe in her voice that she recognizes how Althea lives a life with so much reverence And she noted prayer as an aspect of this. And I think this hits on something really, really fundamental and important and empowering about entering into a practice of prayer. It is a way to show reverence in your daily life. It's a way to sacramentalize everything in the world. Um, One of the things that I'm learning from the Hasidic Kabbalistic rabbi that I'm studying with is all of the little rituals throughout the day that Orthodox Jews have for doing just this thing, for bringing reverence into absolutely every aspect of daily life. Um, Indeed, there's a concept in Kabbalistic teachings that Everything, literally everything in the material world is composed of sparks of the divine. And through our recognition of that, particularly through the power of prayer, we elevate those sparks in our consciousness and beyond back to uh, their divine providence. So praying over food is a way to recognize the sacramental quality of food it's a way to give thanks to all the people the plants the elements and the animals that give of their time and their effort and their very lives so that we can be fed and that we can continue on um, in the paths that we're walking in the world i think another really powerful aspect of prayer is it is a way to re-engage with a fundamental spiritual truth and teaching that transcends as far as i can tell all spiritual traditions Um, indeed it's the beginning of spiritual life and this is the realization that we are not just our bodies that we are actually spirit soul Um, the bhagavad-gita describes our true nature saying the soul is neither born nor does it ever die, nor being will it ever cease to be. Unborn, eternal, not subject to decay, primeval. It is not slain when the body is slain. And prayer is a real way to enter into that mode of being. Um, I think a lot of times, at least for me, growing up, I thought of prayer as uh, like you want something. You want something. Um, So, you know, when you're a child, maybe you want something for Christmas or you want something to happen. or You want something to change and you pray really hard, you know, God, please let me get this new bicycle or even as adults, right? God, please let me get this job or let me get this car or let this relationship work out or whatever it is. We, We can tend to interact with prayer like it's some kind of cosmic vending machine. And I'm not saying that I don't think the divine does not hear and answer prayers like that. But I think a higher aspect of prayer, as the, as the rabbi I quote in the beginning says, prayer is the ultimate development of human consciousness. Well, what does that mean? It means that prayer leads towards esoteric transformation. Prayer is a method of inner alchemy. It's a tool for completely freeing ourselves of all the barriers and bounds that keep us tied to the illusion that we are small s self, that we are a body with a limited lifespan that is trapped in an existence of pain and suffering. Prayer as a method of inner alchemy can free us from pain and suffering and from the samsaric nature of conditioned existence so one of the things that i've been experimenting with for the last couple of years uh, is praying three times a day and this is a really it's a simple thing to do and you can you can engage in this practice in a very simple way in the beginning and then you can complexify it as far as you possibly want to but it's a it's an integral part of The Abrahamic esoteric traditions, Um, Jews pray three times a day, Um, Orthodox Christians pray at least three times a day, Um, Muslims pray five times a day. Uh, This is a, a recognized way of stopping and starting your day with a recognition that you are not just the body, that you are unbound, eternal Spirit, soul, spark of the divine. And it is a way to free ourselves three times a day from the barriers and bounds that keep us tied to the illusion of small conditioned self. So, what does that look like? What does that mean? Well, for me, I wake up in the morning, I wash my face, I light a little bit of incense and a candle. And then I engage in a practice called the Kabbalistic Cross and the Middle Pillar. And you can look these practices up online. You can reach out to me and I can give you some instruction in them. If you live here in Asheville, you can check out our Gnostic group where we do these meditations on a daily basis. But basically, it's a practice where we draw light down from above through our body, activating our our soul, recognizing And energizing our body with our spiritual being and then after that I sit down and I read sacred scripture and I pray and I don't pray for anything I pray in praise of creation and my place in it and then in the middle of the day I stop work around noon or one o'clock and go outside Do the Kabbalistic cross, usually internally, sitting down, facing the sun, feeling its warmth on my face, and recite some simple prayers again. And I'll, I'll give you one of those simple prayers that I recite, and it goes like this. Holy art thou, Lord of the universe. Holy art thou, whom nature hath not formed. Holy art thou, the vast and the mighty one lord of the light and of the darkness and after i say this prayer i let myself have this sense of being filled with this light of being totally identified with that which is looking through my eyes and hearing through my ears that which is not constrained by my emotional conditioning and past traumas and current situations and illnesses or health or strength or weaknesses, but that thing, like the Bhagavad Gita says, that is neither born nor does it ever die, nor will it ever cease to be. And I identify with that and fill my heart with gratitude to the creator of all of this, to That roaring fire of divinity, which we are but a spark of. And then at night, again, before I go to bed, I'll light a candle. I'll do the Kabbalistic cross again. And I'll pray in thanks for the day. And pray in recognition of the ways in which I have fallen short of the true glory of my heritage as a son of God. And then I go to bed. In addition to that, I pray with meals. I try to think about the divine sparks I see in my customers every day, in my coworkers, in the people who cut me off in traffic, in the people who are nice to me, in the people who are having a bad day, in the people who are having a good day. But this three times a day prayer I'm finding more and more is a way to link together this sense of who and what I really am throughout the day. And when I say that this kind of prayer is a method of esoteric transformation, um, I could talk about my experiences. And and briefly, I will say my experience with this kind of prayer is that it completely fills one with uh, almost a boundless energy and and positive spirit. Um, I can be having a, a shitty time. And enter into one of these sessions of prayer and feel completely transformed. And I think this is what God, God is such a small word. Um, uh, but I think this is what God or the divine or Hashem, whatever you want to call it. I think this is what our creator wants for us. This feeling of being filled with this powerful Um, radiating energy of divinity and soul it's our it's our heritage it's our birthright and we can enter into this through the practice prayer by showing our reverence in how we live our lives um, those prayers get answered and it's an interesting thing to think about. This is this is the esoteric transformation of prayer, is that we are seeking connection with Source, with the Divine, and the Divine immediately responds to that prayer. Now I can, you can listen to my words saying this, and you can either believe me or not believe me. You can think it's silly. You can think it sounds amazing. But until you sit down and practice it for yourself, you won't really know. Um, This podcast is called Modern Gnostic, and the heart of the tradition of Gnosticism is go and see, taste it for yourself. Don't just read scriptural descriptions, although they're very important. Don't just read or listen to the teachings of masters, although it's very important to do that too. But ultimately, you have to taste the experience yourself. You have to engage in the practices and see what is there for you to see. In the last episode, I read uh, a Gnostic scripture called the Song of the Pearl. And a couple of people responded back saying that they really liked hearing that. And so thinking about prayer and the path of prayer as esoteric transformation, I want to read you another uh, Gnostic scripture today. This comes from a book called The Gospel of the Prophet Mani. And if you've never heard of Mani, uh, you should look him up online. He was a early teacher of Gnosticism, um, not too long after the life of Christ. And he taught something that became known as Manichaeism and spread all over the world. In fact, you can see some really amazing images um, from China, ancient images from China, of uh, these guys who look like Buddhas, but they have a crown of thorns above their head, or they are meditating, not nailed to, but meditating on a cross. And these are expressions of Manichaeism, this Gnostic Christianity that spread all over the world. It was in Iran, it was in Afghanistan, it was in China, it was in Korea. And so the Gospel of Mani is a collection of the writings of the Prophet Mani, and in there, There's something called the Book of the Psalms of Light. And today I'm going to read you an excerpt from the Book of the Psalms of Light that I think uh, really talks about what I'm trying to discuss in the episode of this podcast. The power of prayer as a method of inner alchemy to wake up to and manifest who and what we really are. So here we go. An excerpt from the Book of the Psalms of Light by the Prophet Mani. O soul, thou art the sheep that has wandered in the desert. Thy father seeks thee, thy shepherd looks for thee. O despised noble, thy king searches after thee. Where are thy gay garlands, thy crowns that do not fall? Who has changed thy fair beauty, the fashion of thy kinsmen, the seal of thy father's? Move thyself, O soul, watching in the enduring chains, and remember the ascent into the joyful air. For a dangerous lure is the sweetness of this flesh, the body of darkness. Drink of the water of memory. Throw away thy forgetfulness. Thy wounded one who desires healing, let him come to the physician. O soul, do not forget thyself nor faint, nor eat out thy heart. See, the ships are moored for thee, the boats are in the harbor. Take thy burden aboard, and sail away to thy true home. All through this Gnostic scripture, I think we are given teachings about both who and what we really are, and what we can wake up to. In here, we're addressed directly as, Oh soul, we are the sheep that has wandered. We have forgotten who and what we truly are. But the shepherd, the king, Hashem, he seeks after us. This is a really profound thing uh, when you think about it. Um, you know, you might start off your spiritual journey seeking after God, but I, I definitely have come to a point in my my experiential understanding that what's actually happen, happening is that Hashem is seeking after you. <laughs> and that's an amazing thing. And next, it asks, where are thy gay garlands, thy crowns that do not fall? Who has changed our fair beauty and changed the fashion of our kinsmen, the seal of our fathers? Right. This harkens back to the Song of the Pearl where he's talking about this magical garment of light that was made for him by his father the king and his mother the queen that's being said again here what i think that's pointing to is the true condition of our being our true condition is that we are these spirit souls clothed in these garments of light we wear crowns that never fall these are the fashions of our kinsmen they contain the seal of our father and mother From there it says, move thyself, O soul, watching in the enduring chains, and remember the ascent into the joyful air. The ascent into the joyful air. How can I explain this? I don't think I can totally explain it. I think you have to experience it. But there is a place that can be reached in prayer. Uh, The Kabbalists call it divankas. It means cleaving to Hashem, cleaving to God, this connection with spirit source. This is the joyful ascent into the air. This is recognizing the enduring chains of material existence and flying free from them. Why? As it says next, because a dangerous lure is in the sweetness of this flesh, the body of darkness now here this is one of those lines that i think people read and immediately say oh look how negative the gnostics were they they thought that this world was horrible and fallen and terrible and it's true some gnostics some gnostics did teach this and i think if we really investigate our experience of the world or at least i'll say when i really investigate my experience of the world There is this uh, lure of the flesh, just the flesh, or the darkness of just the body. But what did I say earlier? There's this Kabbalistic concept that every single thing in material existence is actually a spark of the divine. Um, Indeed, one of the ancient Gnostic teachers, uh, ancient Kabbalistic teachers, the Ari, taught that it's not the world that has shattered and fallen. But it is actually God that has broken apart into infinite pieces. And these are all the sparks that make up the material world. These are the sparks of the divine that are locked in the flesh, that are locked in the darkness of the body. And the spiritual path of the soul is to free those sparks of the flesh, to re sacramentalize the body, right? There's nothing wrong with our body. There's nothing wrong with our flesh. We're not sinful, we're not fallen. The sin and the fall is in our mind. It's in our, it's in our small-s self. It's in our conditioned existence. That thing that is formed by habit, that's formed by past traumas, that's formed by limitation. That's the sin, the hamarchia, the missing the mark. That's the way in which the body is dark. But the true nature of the body is it is this house for the divine. Next it says, drink of the water of memory throw away thy forgetfulness. The wounded one who desires healing, let him come to the physician. I think drinking the watery, the sorry, drinking the water of memory is prayer. It's prayer and study and meditation. It's having not just the um, conceptual understanding that you're not your body, that you're spirit soul, but actually drinking that conceptual understanding, actually making it a part of you, digesting it, making it part of your being, your actual experience. And then you throw away your forgetfulness. The rabbi, I mentioned Rabbi Katz, he has this beautiful definition of, um, the Hebrew word is amunah, and it's often translated as faith. And one of the things that I think we largely hear is that, you know, faith is this belief in things unseen. And surely that's an aspect of what faith is. But faith is also an experience, when you have this experience of devakas, when you have this experience of gnosis of connection with the divine, of the fact that you aren't this limited small s self, but you are Atman, you are spirit soul, that gives you faith it's not belief in something unseen you've drink you've drunk from the water of memory and you've thrown away forgetfulness. And that is the basis of your faith. And the one who desires healing, let him come to the physician. Uh, this makes me think of the Buddha's first noble truth. That conditioned existence is characterized by samsara. It's characterized by suffering. If you have woken up to the fact that you are wounded. If you have recognized the fact that you're not operating Optimally, that you're still wounded by past hurts, that you have habits that keep you down, that you aren't living up to your potential, that life seems to be lacking some undefinable something, then come to the physician. Seek the spiritual training. Seek the mysteries. Because that's where our true home and being lies. It finishes by saying, O oh soul, Do not forget thyself, nor faint, nor eat out thy heart. See, the ships are moored for thee, the boats are in the harbor. Take thy burden aboard, and sail away to thy true home. It's pointing back once again. Don't forget who and what we really are. Wake up to our condition. Realize our royal divine heritage. Climb aboard the ships and sail away to our true home. I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. I imagine it's pretty rambly. I'm starting to think all of these episodes are going to be pretty rambly because that's just kind of how my mind seems to work. Uh, But I hope you enjoy it. Um, Wherever you're listening to it, subscribe, throw me some likes, share it out with your friends. We're going to try to put out an episode every week covering a different subject in the Western esoteric tradition. And I hope you keep tuning in.